Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer here in the courtroom of current events. And we've got Todd Bober back on the show today. If you remember from about seven or eight months ago, it feels about seven or eight years, he was our expert on all things China. And in the beginning of March, he told us everything that was going to happen about the coronavirus and China sneezing in the entire world getting infected. So while I was hesitant to have him on because of all the bad news he ended up being right about, we decided to bring him on to do China and the Coronavirus Part 2. So that's what we'll be hitting today. Hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Hopefully you're subscribed to the channel. If you'd like, give us a five-star review on iTunes. It would help a ton. We also have a YouTube channel known as The Lawyer You Know. Go subscribe and like those videos. We're putting out all kinds of content. We have a couple videos coming out every week. We've got a podcast coming out every week. We're trying to push out the information that the people want to hear. So if you want to hear anything from a video to a podcast to a blog article, whatever it may be, send me an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com or find us on social media at Tragos Law. We are looking for the content that everybody listening to this wants to hear. So reach out to us, let us know what you want to hear and we will jump on it. But for now, sit back and hold on to your seats because you never know what Todd's going to say. All right, so Todd Bober is back in the podcast studio today. We weren't sure if we were ever going to bring him back because last time he was here, it was the end of February. Everything was normal. We were happy. And now... He's a harbinger of destruction. It's just gone a little bit downhill since you've been here last, Todd. But thanks for joining us again. We're happy to have you. Thank you very much. Well, I guess as a divorce attorney, I guess harbinger of destruction kind of fits. Yeah, exactly. It's not the first time you've heard that. No. Um, so tell us where we're at. Um, give us a little bit of an update. Last time you were here, you told us something like if China sneezes, the whole world gets sick. And unfortunately that's exactly what happened. So now that the whole world is sick, what does it look like back in China? Um, how are they dealing with the coronavirus? What steps are they taking? Kind of give us an update of what's going on there. Well, basically they did spread the love. And as we've all heard on the media, there's a lot of controversy about that as we spoke about last time, is they did stop the isolate, you know, the travel out of Wuhan. They isolated Wuhan, especially from Beijing. But now we've learned that they did not isolate Wuhan internationally. The international flights continued, especially to Milan, where a lot of the textile, you know, industry has been taken over by the Chinese. And that, of course, spread it to the rest of the world. Now, looking back at what it's like in Wuhan is, except for the majority of the people wearing masks everywhere, like we do, life is normal. They've, the malls are full. People are going out, doing what they want. So they, they're just right back to it. They're right back to what life was like, with the exception of everybody's wearing a mask. Well, let me ask you, because we talked about Wuhan having a direct flight to Milan. Yes. Um, and if you look at the news now, and we have some friends in Italy... Italy is back to, I think, 30% mortality rate. So one out of three people diagnosed with uh, that COVID positive. that test positive die, mm -hmm. which is astronomical. So do you think there's a correlation between the China connection to Wuhan and that? Or do you think that's just Absolutely, because that's where it came from. And But also, I mean, I don't believe the death rate has anything to do with the connection to Wuhan. It's just that's where it was seeded. Kind of like an oak tree drops an acorn, and that's where the acorn took root. Um, Italy has a very old population. 
So they're going to suffer more than, let's say, India, which is a very young population, or Saudi Arabia, which has an extraordinarily young population. Would you say masks are more prevalent now in China than they were? Because, I mean, absolutely, we always saw Chinese people in masks in China, but now it's across the board. Uh, you saw some people with masks. They were primarily for pollution. Where, where you're confusing is Japan. In oh, okay. Japan and Taiwan, if you so much had a sniffle or something like that, just culturally, you would wear a mask just to protect your neighbor. Okay, mm -hmm. and now everybody's wearing them. Now everybody wears them. Is it a mandate? No, okay. um, as far as I know, it's not. It's just strong. Well, democracy, so it makes sense. Right. Why, why yeah. would they do a mask mandate? Well, I mean, and I actually, I should, maybe I should take that back. Um, it, pro it probably is a mandate. So, okay. yeah. So basically, what you're saying is in China, they tell you, wear your mask. If we see you without your mask, you'll never be seen again. And, and well, I wouldn't go that as far as not seen again. Um, and again, that's. I really don't have the information to say if it is a mandate or not. Uh, it probably is. I don't know if there's any penalties for it. I will, I will find that out. What do you know about China's reporting as far as the coronavirus? How did it hit them? What do the numbers look like compared to the United States, compared to other countries? Last time we were here, we spoke about some numbers that were put out by Tencent. I still believe those are the original numbers. And I do believe that... They suffered even more than those numbers reflect. I've heard numbers of about a quarter million lost in Wuhan alone. Um, I believe that. Um, but again, officially coming out of Beijing, I wouldn't trust it uh, because they just did a test on, let's see, what, what do I have here? On, um, what was it, May 17th, they did a mass testing. And they, um, 10 million people, they said they found 300 asymptomatic cases and they isolated them and that was it. Now you're telling me out of 10 million people, you only found 300. Now my there are probably other things that yeah. more people had in common. Right? It's a statistical, right. it's a statistical yeah. impossibility. Exactly. Right? Now my people over there believe that, and I believe they believe it, but I don't. You know. What's the? Um, I guess the question is asymptomatic versus symptomatic is there anything that the people themselves are, are telling you that's different than what the the reports are on the news well they do know about the you know 14 days you know incubation period and that some people can walk around perfectly fine no problems and still be a, a carrier and could be spreading it they know that they they fear that deeply um but at the same token you know, if you're still sick, people, if you even have a cold, people run and hide and trust me, they, you know. And that's what I was going to ask. So what is it, what does the government regulation look like? What do the shutdowns look like? What does the restriction look like? Is it, you know, obviously you said the malls are full, so they don't have the same thing that's kicking back up in America right now where only 10 people can be in a room together. If you're tested and you show up as, you know, positive or someone in your family pops positive basically they send you to an isolation center and that's a very kind word to say that they put you in a hotel of their choice and you have to pay for it and you have a doctor that is forced upon you and you get tested and they hold you there and until you pop negative for two tests so do they have a better um because the reason that you can't really do that in America, well, there's lots of reasons you can't yeah, do that in America. But let's say one of the main reasons is a lot of people either aren't getting tested or if they do get tested, they don't tell anybody whatever their test results are. Is there more of a tracking of that in China where if they find out you do test positive, they can find out by whatever trackers on your phone or your 
um, passport or whatever, and they can show up to your house and they force you to do stuff? Well, you have to have uh, an app on your phone that does show red, yellow, or green. Green means you have had a test and you're negative. Yellow could mean that somebody in your family has shown a positive test or you've been near somebody at the positive test, and red means you're sick. You've, you've shown positive. Now, I actually just spoke with um, someone over in Wuhan today, and you know, they told me that that is for traveling. And so, for example, she just went to Shanghai. She had to go get a test before she went to Shanghai, so it showed green when she got on the train. She had to show her her app there that showed green when she went to actually her son was having an operation. She had to show that before going into the hospital to, to see him and then had to stay in the hospital. She couldn't leave the hospital again. And But she, she believes that that is only used to track people around the country. All right, now, she's a wonderful woman. I love her dearly. She believes that. I don't. I think that that technology, and why wouldn't they do this? The technology can be used. There's four of us sitting in a room right now. We all have phones. Our phone company knows that we're here. Right. In China, the government is the phone company. So let's say you show a positive test. Now, what's stopping that from now, now making my phone yellow? Right. Peter's phone, yellow. Nothing. The fact that they're not using that technology, I don't believe that. I know she believes that in her heart, but I don't think so. Well, it's so. interesting you bring that up because... Um one of the mayors in California was talking about cell phone data and figuring out where people are, if people are congregating, if they're gathering. So the government is already using here cell phone data to see whether or not people are abiding by these guidelines or mandates or whatever the government's telling us to do. Which is interesting because as lawyers, if we wanted to get the cell phone data, the tracking data for where a particular cell phone was located uh, to do a trap and trace, we have to get a, a, a judge to sign a Well, a, even a law warrant. enforcement has to get a warrant for yeah. that. Like you they, can't they can't, even that. a cop can't just be like, well, I want to get all this. You have to have a warrant That's and right. you have to have a reason that you get that data on somebody because it totally breaches our just freedom of movement. So it's basically now what you're telling me, at least in this country, it's becoming a warrantless search just right. to determine where right. you're located. Right, and and obviously what Todd's saying is China takes that to the nth degree, yeah. so there's no way they're not using that data if they have the technology to do it and they have a reason to they do it. They would be right. foolish not to. Right. I mean, when they don't have any you know Fourth Amendment you know protections like we do. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's actually very interesting, if I may interject here, in preparation for this, I've actually spoke to a couple of young people about this very situation. And what amazed me is they had no problem with it. They, well, that's exactly why it's happening. They, they, and literally, this is basically how the conversation went. I showed that app, and I showed it to the, this nice woman, and I said, would you be comfortable with this? And she goes, yes. And I said, would you be comfortable with this to go to the grocery store? She goes, yes. I said, what about going to the doctors? Yes. How about going to church? Yes. How about attending a political meeting? Yes. I tried to figure every constitutional protection we had. I even said, let's say you're dating a married man and you went to a hotel with him. Now he has it. You have the same app. Now the government can tell that you went to the motel and spent together and spent that much time together. Are you okay with that? She goes, yeah, as long as it's for protection from the virus. Yeah, they trust the government. That's the problem. That's... This yeah. whole experiment that's been done on us, I don't want to call it that because obviously people are dying because of this, but... This whole experiment has shown us that people are willing to give up their liberties 
for not much. Which you know, is they, they'll sell the porridge for their yeah. birthright for, for just a bowl of porridge, right? Because sell your entire birthright. Right. That's what this country was founded on. It was founded on the lack of those liberties over uh, across the pond. So they came here and they wanted those liberties, but I think we've gotten too far distant from those times where, unless for Especially example, young people. It really is true. Young people will give things up in the name of whatever the government says and trust and they're protecting what, us or what, helping us. But what gets me is the reason she says she's giving it up. She wasn't afraid of the government because she said Google already knows. So I, I, I literally said to her, I said, so your theory is the catch out of the bag. So why not let the cat free? And right. she goes, absolutely. Um, I was stunned and horrified by that. So we had a, a class action lawsuit um, about uh, personal identifiable information being stolen, right? Just a, a data hack, data breach. And the questions that the defense counsel asked in the deposition were, do you have a Facebook account? Do you have an Amazon account? Have you ever put your credit card number in your Amazon account? Do you put your address in your Amazon account? Have you ever sent your address somewhere online? Have you ever emailed anybody your social security number? Have you? And the answer is yes to everybody. Everybody's already done this stuff. So they're, basically their argument was, you already give out all your information. So our data breach didn't actually change anything, except it went directly to the bad guys as opposed to they had to find it somewhere else. Well, we can take that one step further. I mean, I'm wearing a Fitbit. Think of the information I'm bleeding out on that, mm -hmm. pardon the pun, is, <laughs> I mean, my heart rate. Yep. So let's put it this way, you know, we're all adults in this room from heart rate. You can tell what a, a lot, lot of people things. are doing. Right. Exactly, a lot of, a lot of things, right. right. And, you know, it also, I, you know, I got it. What else does it be? I couldn't even think how about it. How much you yeah. walk every day, exactly. how much you sleep, sure. you know, yeah. what you're eating sometimes some of them keep track of. Yeah, we put all this into these fitness mm -hmm. programs, like what you eat, how much you eat, how much you exercise. And when you're talking about when China takes it to the nth degree of how many kids you can have and why, why not right. control our health right. patterns and things like that, you know, and we're giving all this information and continuing to put it in. And I think there is an element of you're already giving so much. Why stop now? And as we've learned with the DNA companies, that information is not private. I mean, imagine an intelligence agency, let's say China, what they can learn about us, especially our armed forces, if they're wearing Fitbits. You never know. Right. What is the uh, vaccine situation in China? That, now, that's interesting. I've, I've been reading a book um, called Wuhan Diary by Feng Feng. And one thing I found interesting is that we apparently were, have, were working on this a lot faster. Apparently, we were going at warp nine when we weren't being told. Because she references radisimir, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Close enough. Exactly. Was being tested on February 6th in Wuhan. I, I found that just beyond belief. How were we that on the ball? I mean, our pharmaceutical companies must really have, you know, jumped to the to Yeah, the, it's the called occasion. profit motive. First to market exactly. motive. So exactly. we test everything all the time just to see if there's you know, an additional patent that we can extend out for a specific use yeah. for a specific uh, you know disease state. And she was reporting it on February 6th. That means that it had to have been started before then. Obviously, yeah. yeah. What about them in China? Uh, realizing that pharmaceutical companies, for the most part, at least share information globally. Are, were they talking or was there any uh, talk on the street about anything outside of what we have heard as the, you know, the... The, the the virology in China. Uh, the only thing that I um, could you know get from people you know I mean the people that I'm talking to aren't up totally on all the experimental stuff is that the convalescent plasma was actually one of the first thing that they were starting and of course the hydroxychloroquine 
they were they were doing that and how they discovered that was actually fascinating um so i mean that's as far as what they were doing but you know that's all old technology so that's just you know nuts and bolts you know meatball medicine you know right. basically trying whatever we have and see if it works basically trying the old standards you know from you know that were used for one disease and trying it on this disease and considering that you know the the virus is really a, a derivative of SARS so they knew what they did for SARS should work, and it kind of sort of did. Yeah. Is there any credence to China using this as a weapon, China creating the virus, China seeing what would happen if they spread the virus throughout the whole world, how easy it would be to do, anything like that? Well, that's the the 800-pound gorilla in the room mm -hmm. that everybody seems to think that has a theory on that. Now, here's my personal theory, and it's, it's I'll tell you what I know and where I'm basically putting two and two together, is yes, there is a, there are a couple actually of CDC labs in Wuhan. You got the big labs, and then you got the satellite labs, okay? Now, which lab did it come out of? Of course, they're never going to tell you. That's super secret. But there is... The, the wet market that everybody knows that's where the first cases were showing up. Now, it just so happens that 300 meters from that wet market is a satellite lab. So, we know that the virus originally started in bats. We know the closest bat cave for that particular bat is about 300 miles north of Wuhan. We know they were using bats in the labs. So, now this is where I'm using my educated supposition, okay? The um, pigs were being used, and they're commonly used for substitute animals for humans because we our bodies are a lot alike. Mm -hmm. Some say they're like lawyers. Uh, Makes, sense. <laughs> Makes sense. So what they would do is they would infect pigs, see what happened to them. Okay. Now what I believe is somewhere, somehow, somebody was told, probably an intern, dispose of the pigs. This intern being a low paid, if paid at all, worker said, hmm, well, the pigs seem fine to me. Maybe I'll sell them at the wet market. Now, I heard some newscasts saying that a, the boyfriend or girlfriend of the intern worked at the wet market. Now, one thing in Chinese is spoken. There's no pronoun for he or she. It's always ta. So it could be a woman, she's ta, a man, he's ta, okay? So I can see how that confusion to somebody that doesn't understand how that could happen. So it leads some credence to this theory. Now, the pigs are either slaughtered or the meat is sold in a wet market and then we're off to the races. Do I believe it was a weapon? I don't believe that because culturally the, the Chinese suffered imaginably under the Japanese with chemical and biological weapons. So I don't think they would touch that. It's kind of like I made the example, I think we did last time, of low-flying aircraft over New York. They, it's just, you don't fly a low-flying aircraft over right. You just don't. Right. You don't say bomb in an airport. Right. You just don't. I don't think they would ever go there deliberately. Could something have happened? Could someone have gone rogue and made something? Possibly, but I doubt that. Do, did they intentionally let it out? I don't believe that it was intentionally let out in Wuhan. I make a differential on did Beijing deliberately let it out of China? That I believe they did because they, they knew they were going to suffer. They knew their economy was going to suffer. So why suffer alone?
Why should we be the only ones Great. to take the hit? Yeah. Let everybody else take the hit with us, so it doesn't it, it right. negates what happens. Evens the playing field. That's right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's got the same problem, so it's not just us anymore. So what's it look like as far as a um, round two or second wave of the virus of infections as far as what's coming out of China? You said they're basically back to business as usual, but a lot of other countries, including America, it looks like, are considering more shutdowns and more curfews and more restrictions. Well, China has, has basically handled this very smart. They, If you go to China today, let's say I were to fly to China today, if I were, now it's $10,000 one way, by the way. If I wanted to go, wow. I would ha- land at the airport and I would be escorted to a hotel for two weeks. Now, I can't leave that hotel. Everyone or just Americans? Everyone. Okay. I can, even Chinese returning home. You cannot leave that hotel for any reason whatsoever. They bring you your food and they leave it at your door. They, you're not allowed to go out and walk in the sunlight. The best you can have is open a window if the window opens. And I pointed out to people over there that under the Geneva Convention, you're entitled to an hour of yard time a day. <laughs> that's only for prisoners of war. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> only for prisoners of war. I mean, they, they really, they take this seriously. So it's... it's you know, but it's so, been pretty controlled over there. They, they control everything. It doesn't seem like a second wave is coming for China. Not for... Well, the, the, here's the thing that I've, I worry about them is they've isolated themselves so well, while the rest of us, let's face it, we all probably have been slightly exposed, just how prevalent it is now. Mm -hmm. They are like the Native Americans when the Spanish arrived. When it comes back, when they open up, all of a sudden every city is going to open up. They're going to have people flying in all over the place. It's going to hit them again unless they're really careful and these vaccines work 100% of the time. And they're not going to have any built-up immunities. The herd isn't going to be immune. Exactly. Where we probably have a slight herd immunity. You know, just in our daily lives, we probably have come in contact with somebody that was asymptomatic and gotten a, our immune system had gotten a little taste. Huh. You know? Uh, I had heard that there was some issue about... Uh, the blocking of prepackaged frozen foods coming into China. Have you heard anything like this? I have not heard anything like that. When you said that, I kind of got a little bit of chuckle. Um, the only thing I could think of is that their economy had taken a hit, although they'll never admit it. And I'm hearing some rumors of food issues. Now, I don't know why that is. Like food shortage? <sighs> that they're concerned about their ability to produce food in the future. And I know, again, I've heard this only from one source. I don't know what it means. It could be that they're just trying to boost their domestic produce. Got it. So we want you to buy Chinese-made whatever, right? Yeah. So, Todd, now what? We, you, the last time you were here, you told us about the horrors of, uh, of COVID, which we found, uh, you know, obviously firsthand. What's next? What are they going to do to us next? Well, it's not what they're going to do to us next. It's what they have been doing to us next. Now, what you just said, you segued in perfectly. What was the name of the virus? Depends on who you ask. COVID. What, COVID, right? What's the name of every other virus that you know of? Ebola, named after the Ebola River. Zika, named after yep, the Zika right. region. West Nile virus, named after the location where it discovered, the West Nile. But not the China virus. The not China, China. Not the China virus. Zhao Lijiang. He said that's racist. He knew where to hit us because he doesn't want China in any way, shape, or form associated with this. He knew where to hit us. He, he drew the race card. Okay? He, he kept saying, oh, it's only for minority areas. The black and brown people and the, now the yellow people. 
Now, I personally found that was news to the people of Lyme, Connecticut, Lyme disease, and Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, those in the Midwest, uh, you know, I don't. And now look at it in our popular culture. Top Gun 2 is coming out. The Taiwanese flag was removed from Maverick's jacket. Now, and they're all the little things, you know, it's the little things, it's the little things, but the little things are getting bigger. We've all gone through very recently the election and we all know about Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, isn't it kind of strange that all three tech companies and all the networks avoided the story, except for Fox, they, they carried it and you couldn't even share it. Now, how do you have the technology to block? A story or an idea. So if you need a story blocked, the, the only people that know how to do that really well are the Chinese. Well, Facebook, using H-1B visas, hired a whole bunch of Chinese that, what was their job? They worked for the Great Firewall. They, they know how to block stories. Now, as we learned in the recent Senate hearings, is that Facebook, Twitter, and Google are sharing data. So that's how you kill a laptop story. Okay, so as far and as far as it's coming, so we're going to do a podcast on media blackouts and censorships coming up um, in another week or two. But you also mentioned before we started something of a cold war. Do you do you see something like that coming in the near future between us and China? We are in the opening phases of the new cold war, and unfortunately, what I'm worried about is this is the first time that we have faced in a cold war style event an economy that is as large or larger than ours and has a more revolutionary spirit than we do. The Chinese, they, they move as one and they, they don't mind a fight where we do. We, if we don't change our ways and recognize it now, we have a good chance of losing this Cold War. All right. So I guess as we ended the last podcast with Todd, I'm going to say it again. I hope he's wrong um, about just about all of this, but we'll, we'll see if it turns out last time. Unfortunately, he was right. Todd, thanks for coming on and guys, we'll be back with you next time.